This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Pleasure to have you on the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast, something that I think that you are, uh, are going to be an expert guest in. I think so. I've got some experience in, in, in both martial arts and business, so yeah. at least well, getting smashed. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you and honored to have you on the podcast because you are, uh, you've had an incredible business career. Uh, you have too many positions and board memberships to name all, but you are a co-founder and managing director of uh, uh, Twin Focus. You're the commissioner in Massachusetts for mixed martial arts. You're a board member and an original investor in Glory Kickboxing and a lifelong martial artist yourself and recently over the past few years into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but have practiced in Kali and Muay Thai and a variety of other martial arts. So uh, having somebody with your expertise is gonna be really exciting for me in this project. I hope that we could explore some of this, some of these principles because they've been so impactful in my life and and that's why I wanted to write this book. But uh, if you wouldn't mind, Give me a little background on who you are, uh, how you got into the business world, how you got into the martial arts world, and any, anything you think that's valuable on uh, how it's affected you. Sure. Um, so maybe we'll start with martial arts. Uh, I, I was, you know, pretty much addicted to Bruce Lee since I was, you know, four or five years old, um, and uh, you know, and, and did karate uh, as a kid. Um, and then, uh, late teens or early twenties, I had a friend that introduced me to Muay Thai. Um, and I, I saw it, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure what I was going to see when I was, you know, first brought, um, and I was instantaneously, uh, hooked. Um, and so I, I was a practitioner and competed in Muay Thai for you know, probably about the last 20 years or so. Um, I, you know, when I was, I'm 43 now, when I was about 30, I trained in Kali and Jeet Kune Do. Um, for a number of years, uh, and then recently, over the last four years, got into uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, and I train uh, BJJ pretty much every morning about 5 a.m. Uh, weekdays. Wow. Um, and on the business from? side, yeah. Where are you um, from? Uh, originally from Boston. From Boston. Born and raised. Yep. Went to school here, did a, a stint in New York, um, but came back to Boston and uh, my late twenties, I was a, a broker at at originally Payne Weber, which became UBS. Sure. And then, and in my late twenties, I decided to leave and start my own firm. Um, so I started Twin Focus uh, in two thousand six, um, and really over the last fifteen years, built it from you know a small hundred million dollar investment advisor when I started to today, we manage about 7 billion. Um, we have a, a big business globally um, headquartered in Boston. We have an office in London um, and we have a growing real estate investment business as well. Um, so lots lots of exciting things going on at Twin Focus. And some private equity investments as well. Are, are your private equity investments in martial arts, are those your personal investments or, or through your business? Uh, we've had some small, um, investments in martial arts, but mostly martial arts is more of a kind of passion project for me. Yeah. Really exciting. And the name of your company, Twin Focus, uh, you have a twin brother. I do. Uh, we founded the firm together and we worked together as well. Is he uh, a martial artist uh, or did he? Uh, no, end? <laughs> he's not. Uh, he thinks I'm crazy, but, um, you know, he's, a, he's an avid, uh, workout enthusiast. So. He gets his workouts in another way. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because it is something that I'm going to 
really try to explore in this book, which is that people who don't participate in martial arts do think you're a little crazy sometimes for having this passion, which could take up a very big part of your life. Um, is it your brother who thinks you're crazy? Your family members? You know, my wife, uh, my wife is quite understanding, um, but it's funny, you know, we'll be out to dinner with clients and, and clients will ask me something about martial arts and my brother will just say, oh, don't get him started. Don't get him started. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, as you stated, I'm, I'm very passionate about martial arts. I'm, you know, I, I've been involved really in all aspects of the business from, you know, you know, building and owning one of the leading promotions in the world, uh, Glory, um, to, you know, being a fighter and to, you know, going to a fight camp and training. Um, and, and then obviously, uh, as a commissioner as well, um, I was asked uh, by the governor, uh, in Massachusetts in 2016 to, um, really take over the kind of MMA, uh, and kickboxing seat, uh, on the yeah. commission. Uh, and I've been serving now for the best past four years or so. Well, there's a, an amazing fight culture in all of Massachusetts, but especially around the, the Boston area. I, I recently spoke to both, uh, Jimmy Pedro from you know, Olympian and Travis Stevens. I don't know if you've ever encountered yep. them in your, in your path, but they have schools in the, in the yep. area. And that's a, that's, that's quite an honor to, to, to have received it. And I've, uh, I do quite a lot of business in Massachusetts in Springfield, Massachusetts in the, in the real estate business and have had, you know, dealings with the, the local and state governments and um, always very impressed with the way Massachusetts runs the state. You know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been quite impressive and, uh, I, I, some of the events that you guys have put on up there have been some legendary, legendary events. Indeed. Indeed. We've been lucky enough to have UFC, I think three times now. Um, yeah. so hoping when, you know, all of this COVID stuff passes, we'll, we'll have them back. So, yeah. Live events must be a difficult, uh, difficult thing to be even talking about right now. It's just, you know, I mean, well, the UFC did a great job in Abu Dhabi. I'm very impressed with how Dana White conducted himself through it. It took a lot of risk as he does, he's a, he's a gambler, but um, I think he kind of pioneered the bubble before the NBA coined the term, the bubble. Yeah, I think so. You know, the UFC obviously is a, is a rare animal, um, you know, with massive scale and, and massive global distribution and, you know, a lot of fans. So, um, you know, they're able to do that. And I, I applaud them for doing it because they've thrown, thrown some really great shows. Um, yeah. At Glory, we've got a couple of shows planned for the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So we're just working through that now. Um, some no audience shows. So that's great. That's really great. So your capacity in glory is as the um, that you sit on the board and you were one of the lead investors. Um, glory, another fantastic promotion. That's really exciting that you know to, to be a part of it. I'm so fascinated by the the business of martial arts. Although that's not really what the focus of of what I'm doing here is. But anytime I have a chance to talk to someone who's in the business world, but it also kind of goes and dips their toe in the passion. When you and I spoke briefly, we discussed our mutual friend, uh, Rich Byrne, who started the promotion Kasai. And, um, you know, I asked him when he was on the podcast, a similar thing. I said, is this a, is this a money-making venture for you? Is this something that you had felt like you had to do uh, because of the passion? So I, I turn that to you. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would, I would definitely say both, you know, glory, you know, sports is a winner take all business, right? You know, why would you drive for formula two if you can drive for formula one, right? Yeah. It's a winner take all and the fans want to see the top, you know, whatever it is, the top league, the top promotion. And, you know, when you're talking about 
um, you know, a company like the UFC or like Glory, it's much more than a promotion. It's more of a, a media property, right? Yep. It's it because, um, you know, your average promotion, you're generating revenue, you know, maybe some sponsorship and, and gate, you know, is, is obviously the big, you know, kind of winner for you. But with a, with a media property, you know, you've got gate, you've got merchandise, you've got sponsorship, and then you've got TV distribution. Um, you know, there, it's obviously a chicken and egg, you know, there's, the world has changed so much in the last 10 years, um, in terms of TV distribution because of things like this, right. Podcasts, everybody walking around with devices in their hand where you're, you're able to get kind of the, the confluence of content and, and connectivity, you know, and, and so the barrier to entry for, you know, promotions to get stuff online and get seen is, is, is come down quite a bit. So it's it's obviously made that that world a lot more competitive, yeah. um, and companies like Glory uh, have had to kind of reinvent themselves. You know, figuring out how you distribute content, how you get paid for that content. Um, you know, uh, versus the old days when UFC simply had a, a Fox deal, right? And right. and now you know UFC has gotten really smart. Obviously, they have a huge ESPN contract, um, and they've built this really awesome. A platform called Fight Pass, right, where they not only put their own content but aggregated all other types of content and provided that you know to viewers. I mean, I'm I'm a huge huge UFC fan. I'm a huge Fight Pass fan, and I watch all of the different content up there. Um, yeah, I, you know the old the old comment by Dana White that you know you got baseball over here, basketball over here, and you got two guys fighting at the corner. Everybody wants to watch the fight, you know. So, combat's you know that that kind of rare rare breed that uh, you know it's just exciting. Um, whether it's the professional stuff or whether it's the rough and rowdy that you see that uh, Barstools is throwing. So, so speaking of that, let's talk about you as a competitor. Uh, when was when was the first time you stepped inside of the ring? Oh, I fought. Um, you know, I'm not supposed to admit this as a commissioner, but I fought in a bunch of smokers. Uh, <laughs> you know, locally. Yeah. Um, which you know, I think that experience of uh, you know of an actual fight. Uh, more than just sparring is is so invaluable, right? Because um, you know it's it's like you know even on the street, you know you you forget half of what you know when the adrenaline is going, yeah. um, and uh, you know the only way you get ready for it is just lots and lots of practice, lots and lots of experience. Very similar to business, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago, pitching my first big account. And, you know, I remember how nervous I was and, you know, but you just get better at it over time by telling the story. And um, today my clients pay me, you know, a million dollars a piece as opposed to having a million dollar account, you know, so, um, but it's just, you know, greatness takes time, uh, which is, you know, one of the interesting things about jujitsu versus a lot of the other arts, you know, whereas a boxing or Muay Thai or kickboxing, I mean, you can kind of, you can, if, if you're dedicated, you know, in kickboxing or boxing, you can kind of perfected in a few years yep. um, where jujitsu just takes forever. You know, it's yeah. just, it's constant learning and you, you know, you only learn by, you know, getting smashed. Right. Absolutely. So. That's an interesting aspect of this that I wanted to explore with you, which is you've, you're someone who's had a lot of success in a lot of different fields, yet you are going and humbling yourself by learning this new art, uh, 5am going and, um, it could be it could be tough on many 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 people's egos. I see people walk through the doors, tough guys, muscle guys, cops, soldiers, 
And after they get beat up a few times, they, they don't come back. There's something to be said for someone who can go through that struggle in jujitsu and kind of understand the pecking order and know that you are going to suck for a very long time until you kind of get better. Yeah. You know, learning uh, a martial art is a lot like learning a language. Um, I've been taking uh, Spanish lessons for about 10 years and I meet with just like this, I meet with a, a professor on Skype at 7.30 every morning, from yeah. 7.30 to 7.59 every morning. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's a lot like learning a language. I mean, you, you learn, you have to learn the cadence, you have to learn the vocabulary, you have to learn the kind of conjugation. And, you know, the hard part about learning a language is, you know, they say reading is kind of easiest, then it's listening, you know, then it's writing, and then it's, then it's actually speaking. And, you know, very similar where the only real way you actually learn once you have the basics is by getting out there and, and trying it. And that means screwing things up, screwing up the conjugation, screwing up the vocabulary. Uh, and it's the same thing in jujitsu. You know, you just you, you learn some basic vocabulary, but you got to kind of throw yourself in there. Um, one of my first jujitsu coaches said to me, you know, the, the challenge with jujitsu is that you know, with boxing or kickboxing, there's a logical kind of first step. You know, this is how you stand. This is how you throw a jab cross or whatever. With jujitsu, there is no place to start, right? It's just like this circle that you have to kind of jump in and just, you know, and just figure it out. And there's, you know, there's so many things to figure out, right? It's not just timing, distance and balance like a lot of the other martial arts. I mean, this whole thing about the way you use weight and feel that weight and the shift and um, it's just, it just takes forever, right? But it's business too. It's the same thing in business. You know, I think about, you know, my firm today, Twin Focus, and, you know, they say success is made up of a string of failures. And, you know, when you're, you know, the same as when I'm, I'm up, you know, grinding it out every day in, in, in jujitsu at 5 a.m. I mean, I've been, you know, coming to work at 6 a.m. or 6.30 in the morning for my whole career since, you know, for, for 20 years. And, you know, it's not like, you know, you have these little wins along the way. You have lots of little losses along the way. And every now and then you pick your head up, maybe you get some kind of, you know, some type of, you know, achievement, you know, some type of sign of achievement, whether it's a belt or whether it's, you know, hitting a revenue target or something. And you yeah. pick your head up and you say, wow, I, wow, I can't believe where I've come from. You know, wow, I, I did get like, like uh, Henzo says, 1% better every day, you know, or maybe it's 0.1% better every day. You know? yeah. And I, I mean, I tell you every morning, I leave just, you know, a, a sweaty mess and just feeling completely defeated, but I'm learning a little bit, you know, I learn a little yeah. bit, a little bit more every day. So, um, you know, you, you get there over time. Right. And, and, you know, my, one of my coaches once said to me, you know, when you get your blue belt or your purple belt, it's not like you felt any different in the morning than you did it that night when you actually had the belt, you know, the, the belt is just this kind of symbolic thing along the way of, of you know, this kind of growth, you know, the, the sign of the growth. So, yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful metaphor. Uh, Jiu-jitsu, I, I see is, um, it's, there's a lot, you can, you can see things in jiu-jitsu that are harder to see in business. The tap, hitting the mat, getting right. swept, being off balance. These things happen in business too. Um, and in order to get better, get 1% better in business every single day, you need to be consciously thinking about it and coaching yourself and recognizing the wins, recognizing the belt, the promotions, like you said, like maybe it's not a promotion, but it's a revenue target. And the people who I really admire in business, 
they they understand this and they and they look for it. And when I'm coaching younger people in business and trying to get them to see these these metaphors, so many times I want to use jujitsu as the metaphor, but it's like speaking French to one of my businesses is I'm in the fashion business. I work with a lot of women. And so I have to reach them on their level. And martial arts metaphors don't typically work. <laughs> but um, in the gym, a lot of my teammates, a lot of my younger teammates who aspire to be entrepreneurs and business people, and some of them are phenomenal at jiu-jitsu. And they come to me and they want business advice. And I love sharing the, the, the stories and the metaphors and using them in, in, in teaching tools for business. And so that's really the motivation for this project. And I, I, just, I, I love the way that you put it as a circular reference where in martial arts, it, it starts and begins at the same point. And when you feel like you've reached the end, you've, you're, you're reaching the beginning. That's part of my logo actually at the Business Jiu-Jitsu. Um, if, I can, if I can push you a little bit further down the path of where you were talking and let's see if we could, you're, you're in the investment business. Um, something I'm endlessly fascinated with is risk, taking risk, measuring risk, um, pushing myself to, to, to take risks. Is this something that you've encountered? And is this a part of your daily life and business being in the investment business? A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And, you know, when you're, you know, when you're analyzing investment opportunities and, you know, the more you, the more you analyze and over time you, you kind of, you know, build this repertoire of experiences. Um, you start to you you have an appreciation for the kind of unknown unknowns. You know, when you're young, almost everything seems like a great investment. You know, great people, great idea, and you know, I would say that you know one of the biggest things I've learned in the investment business is that, and in life and running businesses, is that everything just takes more money and more time than we think. And if we knew how much money and how much time in the beginning, we may not have started it, right? And and that's kind of that that naivete is kind of what, you know, that kind of dream is what kind of pushes us sometimes, you know, and right. and then sometimes you, then you get so far in and you realize, geez, well, I, I just got to keep going. You know, I, I just have to keep going. And, you know, I mean, I, I've had even just recent experiences over the last six months with this you know, COVID crisis where I had portfolio companies that were, you know, on the brink of, um, you know, demise right complete demise yeah. and um you know it's very much like jujitsu where you know like when you're you know you're on the bottom higher rank belt on top of you much heavier and you're just trying to survive and you know and you make those little moves those little moves those little moves that create space and then before you know it you sweep and you're back on top you know and it's it, and it's it, it's a lot of it is kind of last man standing you know a lot of it is just that staying power um, to be able to endure, you know, the smashing, um, and, and, and then figure out where best to use your energy as well. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, a lot in business, you, you spend a lot of time spinning your wheels on things that don't really matter. Yeah. Um, but as you get older, you know, you, you just get better at kind of allocating your time and your resources. Um, and, you know, my wife always says to me that I'm, I'm such a cynic and, um, you know, that, you know, I, I should, you know, I should be more positive about certain things. And, you know, I, I used to be super, super positive about everything. And it's not that I'm, I'm actually a really positive guy, but I, I've, you know, because I've, I've learned the hard way, you know, I've learned to, to, you know, size my opponent up before I jump in the ring with him. Right. And, 
um, you know, whether that's in jujitsu or whether that's in, you know, stand up fighting or whether that's in business, you know, um, again, the only way you learn is just through a series of, of failures and a, a series of, you know, getting submitted, swept <laughs> and submitted. Right. It's true. I love the way you put it of allocating your resources. Uh, so much of what I do as a CEO of this business is figuring out how best to use the limited resources and allocate them the best that I, that I can allocate the limited capital into the worthy initiatives or opening a store or do I open a store? Do I put it into a website or, or do I hire a person? Um, how do, how do I hadn't yet considered that as per part of the book, but when you're rolling, you are throttling your energy on and throttling your energy off. You're trying to survive. You're trying to gain an advantage. You're wiggling a little bit to get in, in get an arm back or get an elbow in. And um, you, you're hundred percent right. That's uh, that's a clear, that's a clear parallel between, between jujitsu and certainly everything that's been going on with COVID. Same, same as with it, with striking as well. You know, when you watch, you know, when you watch glory fighters get up there who are, you know, arguably top fighters in the world, top, you know, athletic shape in the world, and you see how they, you know, are very careful about how they use their energy. Now, these guys are in the best shape. So they guys and gals, you see fireworks, but, you know, it, it's very deliberate, you know, versus a rough and rowdy where it's a barroom brawl, you know, and it's just throwing haymakers and they're gassed by the, you know, by the second round. I, I And I say that all the time, the difference between you know, a, a truly world-class professional fighter versus kind of everybody else is they still look good in the third round. You know, I can get up there and maybe get one round in, right? And look okay with my hands up and proper kicks and punches. But yeah. by the third round where you're gassed, you know, because you, you it's been a misallocation of resources. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think what, as you were saying that, I was visualizing Conor McGregor fight um, uh, Floyd Mayweather. You know, it, it looked like he maybe was he going to knock him out in that first round, and then as it got into the second, even to the third round, it was it was very clear the difference in the level. Right. Uh, so yeah, that it's uh, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, thinking about that. If I could ask you about um, the discipline of being a martial artist, you said even before you were waking up to go to jujitsu at five a.m., you've been getting up every single day and going to work. What kind of parallels do you see between the discipline of a martial artist and the discipline of high-level business people? Really good question. Um, I, I think there's huge amounts of parallel um, because it just takes dedication, you know. And I, you know, when I was a young broker, I used to, and I had no money, and I, you know, I grew up, you know, with a single mom, and you know, in kind of a, you know, less than fortunate environment. And, you know, I, I grew up, you know, working from the age of, you know, 11 or 12 years old. I was going from door to door asking about, you know, doing odd jobs for neighbors. As soon as I could get my work permit, I was a janitor at the library. I worked at a gas station, you know, pumping gas and changing tires and doing inspection stickers. You know, I, I remember working double shifts because I used to go to the gas station and I would go change tires at Sears at night. And, um, and I remember being so exhausted, I would, I'd fall asleep downstairs in the, in the tire room, you know, on like a break, but it's, you know, you just, it's the same thing in, in, you know, my drive for whether it was Muay Thai or Jiu Jitsu, it was that, you know, wanting to accomplish something and always believing that, you know, given the choice, I'm going to live the next couple decades anyway. 
And, um, you know, I, the thing is with martial arts, I've always said, you know, I, I might as well be putting my energy into something rather than just kind of going and running or going to the gym and lifting weights, actually learning something. Um, but when I was a young broker, you know, I was the first one in the office. They used to call me the janitor because I was the first one in and I was the last one to leave. I would turn the lights on and off. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's that same type of dedication where you just got to come in and grind it up. And it's the same thing with Spanish. You know, even those days that I don't want to do it and I've got a million other things going on and, you know, my Spanish teacher pops up on my screen. I, ju I just do it. You know, and sometimes you're going through the motions, but it pays off, you know, and it's, just, it's again, it's the same thing with business. It's even those days that, you know, I don't want to go into work and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, the, the pressure is heavy and I'm, I'm having sleepless nights about a portfolio company that's in some hot water. Um, you know, it's rare for me to not want to go to work. I mean, I've certainly had some of those periods of my life going through 08 crisis and then going through, you know, recently some of the pandemic stuff. But, you know, yeah. you, you, again, you, you get on the other side of that, you figure out how to sweep and, and to get back on top and you just keep going. It's a, it's a valuable lesson, you know, the dedication of, of learning a martial art and not giving up, you know, because, you know, you, you, you were talking about how, you know, people come into the gym and they get smashed and they don't come back. You know, my, my old um, Muay Thai coach used to always say, you know, we never punch the, the first time guests in the face, right? The first time students that come in because they'll never come back to school, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that's part of it, right? I mean, I, the other thing that I often say is the difference between a professional fighter and everybody else is the ability to get hit in the face and keep going. Right? Yeah. Most people get hit in the face, they, they, they won't know what the hell hit them and they're, they're, they're down for the count, but professional fighter keeps coming forward. Yeah, that's the so. uh, that's the similar trait with an entrepreneur too. Um, I often I often make the same parallel with uh, with business people who want to open a business. You should be expecting that you're getting into a fight. It's a business fight. Most of the time, you're going to be getting beat up. Most of the time, you're going to be in uncomfortable positions. Most of the time, it's very few day, days are closing big deals, getting big clients. It's mostly dealing with the minutia of running a business and dealing with the complexities, the laws, the, it's, it's not always the fun victory parties, you know, putting on a tuxedo and celebrating, uh, in a fight, some fighters are lucky if they get one, that beautiful knockout punch in their whole career. So right. I love that parallel in business and, um, a lot of first time business owners and people who are starting small businesses, they, they forget that they get into it because it was their passion and they love doing it. And then that passion goes away, away real fast once the reality set in. Yeah. yeah. And you've just got to have that mentality of, you know, you want to accomplish something, you know, at all costs, right? It's just, it's get in there. I, I mean, I think the other advantage that I think I had from, you know, from a personal perspective in, in my business career is I didn't start a family until much later in my life. You know, I'm 43 and I have two kids and one on the way now. I, I just had my first child at like 41. And so, you know, for, for 20 years before that, I really had only myself and my business to focus on, um, you know, sometimes having, you know, other things like a family or something. I mean, I'll be very honest, like I, today I choose my time. To, I want to be with my family, you know, any, any free time I have because I, you know, ex COVID, I mean, I spent a lot of time working. I spent a lot of time on the road traveling, you know, pre COVID I was in London once a month. I'm traveling around the world to the West coast I'm traveling to Asia. I'm traveling to South America monthly. And, you know, every waking moment I wanted to, now I want to spend with family, but uh, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that to think about when I was building my business, you know, my business. And now I have the luxury of, not that I work any, any less hard, um, but I'm able to work at a different level. 
um, and use my energy and use my resources in a different way. Um, but very similar to, 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 to jujitsu or to martial arts is it's like, I can do that because I've, I've been in the trenches. You know, I, I know what it's like to be an analyst. I know what it's like to be a salesperson. I know what it's like to do customer service or client service. I know what it's like to do operations. And I've had that experience. And that's like the same thing, you know, when you get a black belt, you know, the, the old saying, of, you know, it's black belt is just a white belt that turns black from, from rolling a lot. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing in business. You, you kind of learn all these pieces along the way. And, um, and, you know, in my, my business, I run a, you know, my, my core business is a family office advisory business, which has really, you know, the industry has really kind of developed um, over the last 15 or 20 years in this family office space, um, as there's been this big proliferation of global wealth. Um, and so, you know, I, I learned the business as the business was learning the business, you know, and as the industry was evolving. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know the, the other thing is, you know, sometimes, you know, those early experiences that you have in life. I, I remember when I was a broker, when I first came out of college, I studied engineering and I went to work in investment banking for about a year. Uh, and then, you know, I wanted to do more of the kind of, you know, shaking hands. And uh, a guy that worked in my office said, you know, you should, you're a good salesperson. You should go, go become a broker. And at first I was like, eh, you know, I want to work in investment banking. I want to work in, you know, you know, hedge funds or something like that. You know, being a broker, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, you know, being a car salesman, you know, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, and I did it and I went and I started with the phone book and literally dialing for dollars, calling people up and asking for money. And that was, a, you know, even though I hated it then, and I was kind of embarrassed uh, to do what I was to say what I was doing 20 years ago because of the way the industry evolved over the last 20 years, you look 20 years later, I own a firm where I employ all of these people that, mm -hmm. you know, I say all the time, you know, college is where A students teach B students to work for C students. I was a C student, you know, in college, <laughs> you know, and I hire the A students, you know, yeah. to work for me today. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I got my black belt business, you know, just kind of grinding it out, you know, one step along the way, one step, step by step. And, and figuring it out and, and getting smashed and getting a little win here, lots of losses, you know, spinning my tires, you know, chasing things that, um, you know, I, I probably today I wouldn't chase, you know, because I've gotten much better at deciding, you know, what I'm going to chase and where the juice is worth the squeeze. Sure. Um, you know, when you're young, you know, it's you have time. Right. And I actually have a friend that, that says that, you know, the, during the three stages of your life, you're always balancing your the time you have your health and your wealth and when you're young you have lots of time and you have lots of health but you have no money when you're kind of middle you know you maybe got some money and you've got some health but you've got no time and then when you get older you've got the money and you you know you've got the you've got the money and you've got the the time but you may not necessarily have the health so it's always kind of opt trying to optimize for these these three things how much of your time now at your company is spent leading teams and mentoring young people? Um, I would say probably, I would say probably 30% of my time. Yeah. Um, I have, a, you know, I have a reason, pretty young yeah. staff. Yeah. The reason why I asked that is, is only because of, you know, what you were just saying and, you know, sharing what you've learned along this journey. Um, it's just, a, it's such a valuable lesson. Uh, it's something that I, I love to share with people is they, they, they always seem to look at people who have achieved what, the level of success that you've been able to achieve across so many different disciplines and just say that you must have just gotten there. It was a handed to you. They didn't Overhead success. See, they don't see the yeah. janitor, Paul. They don't see the, 
sweating on the mat, Paul, you know, they only get to see sitting behind a desk or closing big deals, Paul, you know, and, um, as a, as a fighter, as a martial artist, you just, you just know about that sweat, that grind, the blood, I mean, the, how much blood it takes. Uh, I, I, I'm endlessly fascinated with that journey and people who've ha have had most of the people that I speak to, um, are not in the position that you're in. You know, a lot of people are starting businesses. They have businesses. Um, they have some measure of success, but to have started a successful business and to uh, to show up continuously and sweat on that mat, I mean, it's it's a real grind, you know. And I and I want more people to know about that. Yeah, you know, it it takes it it just it takes a lot to get there, but it also takes a lot to stay there. Yeah. You know, my, my mom always says, you know, uh, you know, a guy's first job in life is to make the money. The second job is to hold on to it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, I've seen lots of folks that have made it and, and kind of screwed it up, you know. So, sure. um, you know, I work I work just as hard as I did 20 years ago. Again, it's just kind of a different type of work. Um, you know, we've got I got 40 people here that work in my office and there's you know maybe a half a dozen of us that are coming into the office now because of COVID. Um, but I enjoy coming into the office. I, I mean, I, I was home for several months when we had the office shut down in the kind of depths of the, the pandemic. But, you know, come September, I just said, you know, I got to get out of the house. I, little kids and, with, you know, with, with Sesame Street on in the background, it wasn't conducive to video calls and stuff. So I, yeah. I got to get back to the office. But um, it's just, again, it, it takes a lot to get there, but it also takes a lot to stay on top. Right. And, and, and make sure you don't get that ring rust. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love coming to the office when, when you do what you love and you run your own business. It's it's a pleasure to come into your office and your place. It's like going to my gym. You know, I go to my dojo. Yeah. It's, it's an absolute happy place. I get a euphoria every time that I go. Actually, let me correct that. I do not get euphoria. I've sat in the parking lot, dreaded going in, not wanting to get beat up. Um, I don't always feel the same way about my office, but I do sometimes feel that way about work. You know, if, I, if there's something I'm dealing with that I don't have, well, have to, you know, don't want to deal with uh, employment issues or. Uh, that's, that's an interesting thing you say. I mean, I, you know, I truly believe that one of the big qualities of a leader is the ability to have difficult conversations. Yeah. Um, very much like a fight. You know, most people, the average person on the street does not want to jump into a fight. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with having difficult conversations, whether it's with, you know, an employee over termination or some kind of employment issue, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a, a competitor or whether it's a customer over something that went wrong or an investor with something that went sideways, um, you know, that, you know, and I, I'm often called in to be the person that has those difficult conversations with folks. Um, and, you know, I found that, you know, one of the things that helps is, is, is kind of humanizing the situation a bit and trying to connect with that person and, you know, letting them know that, you know, whatever it is, I mean, you know, sometimes there's no way around it. Sometimes, you know, I, I've just had to be the bad guy and I'm, I'm generally one that never shies down from a fight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and my partners know that oftentimes I'm the one that's kind of sent in to have that difficult conversation because I'm, you know, kind of ready to go. So they send you in. How, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're sharpening up your tactical skills when you're rolling on the mat? I mean, you know, one of the things that I love about rolling is that 
you know, when you're rolling and you're, somebody's trying to rip your head off, you can't really think about much else. Yeah. You know, it's not like taking a shower in the morning where you're thinking about all the things that you're, you know, you've got in your day. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times I, I leave the gym and I say, geez, if that's as rough as it gets today, I think I'm going to be all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, there, there's the, so many parallels in think, thinking tactically. George St. Pierre was on the Joe Rogan podcast once and he was talking about life and training as a pyramid. And he said that, you know, the, the bottom base of the pyramid was the physical skills you need. Then the next layer was the technical skills you need. And then the, the third was the tactical skills and then the mental skills. And, and I thought that was a great way of kind of describing jujitsu and business and life and, you know, the physical, the physicality of getting up and understanding it and the technical, technical side of, listen, you have to know the certain techniques in order to do jujitsu, but the tactical side is something that is way more nuanced. It's harder to talk about. And when your partners are sending you in uh, to have these difficult conversations, it's, there's business tactics that, that you learn, uh, you know, the, another way of saying it was, uh, John, I took a seminar with John Donahart, who's famously teaches, uh, at Henzo Gracie's Academy for those that are going to watch this and don't know. And he talked about being backstage at a, a boxing match one time and seeing Bernard Hopkins. And he said, it's one thing that changed his outlook on it. And he said that when is someone the most vulnerable? And it said, as they were throwing the punch, as they were being offensive, that's when they were at their most vulnerable for, for a counter, counter strike. So I'm just interested if this is like something you think about or some, or think, or have you polished this? Like when you're on the mat, are you, are you thinking tactically yet? I know in Muay Thai you must, but how about in Jiu Jitsu? Yeah. Um, I, I'm definitely thinking tactically. I think, you know, as George put it, that, that last piece of the pyramid is that mental. I think you could sub in strategic, right? Because you have to understand all those other components and tactics before you can get to big picture strategy, you know? And, you know, like they always say in a fight, whether it's, you know, on the mats or, you know, in a ring is, you know, you kind of want to go in and know what you're going to say. Right. And, and know, you know, and not just be in the moment where you're kind of reacting and countering or whatever, but actually, so you're, you're on the attack. Right. And, and, you know, the other big thing about jujitsu, which is very parallel to, to business is this notion of being a few steps ahead, you know, where your opponent is automatically on their heels. If you're three steps ahead yeah. um, and, and, you know, it's the same thing in business, you know, when you go into a meeting and being prepared you know, and, and knowing what you want to say, I, you know, I've always been really good at, um, at sales and at negotiating, um, because both of those things require kind of split second thinking, you know, and, and the ability to kind of, you know, evolve and, and more so the ability to understand where that other person is coming from. Um, it's, and, and frankly, I, you know, I'm not so good at, um, you know, w being super prepared. I mean, I, my twin brother talking about how, how different people can be, you know, my, my twin brother is the exact opposite. M you know, my twin brother has got like a photographic memory, you know, we'll go into a client meeting and he will have read the entire hundred page memo and everything's got notes and, and, and that's not my style. You know, I, I, I'm, I, you know, he's always been way, way further ahead and doing the homework and, and I'm always the kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm good to go. You know, I've got enough knowledge. I'm, uh, I can not wing it, but you know, it's art and science. Right. And I'm really good at the art side of it. Yeah. Um, where I would say my brother is much better at the science side of it. And, you know, it's the same thing in, 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 in fighting, 
you know, you, you build these, you know, you build these basic skills and, you know, understanding jab crosses or, you know, roundhouse kick or sweeps or, you know, the basics of an arm bar triangle or something. And then it's figuring out how you put them in, right? Because it's, as you know, it's setting the moves up, right? It's not pulling an arm bar off. It's how you set that arm bar off up, right? Or how you set up that, that knee or that elbow or something. Because you can't just walk in and throw an elbow to somebody, right? You've got to figure out how you set it up. And it's the same thing in a business meeting or in those difficult conversations. It's, it's setting things up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of the things in business that, um, that I'm always balancing is the difference between, you know, like you, you in, in sometimes in combat sports, you are taking your opponent's soul, you're crushing them. Uh, you are, you are trying to win. Uh, and then in other times in the sport, you are, fostering and building amazing relationships in order to grow. And most of the people that you train with are your training partners and they're, you're developing this team mentality. And then you have your competitors who are trying to put you under. Uh, I just, I find that so interesting. And the, the most explicit place I see it is, is in the mat and in the gym. Uh, you've been training. You told me primarily with one, with one training partner in the mornings. Do you have, have you ever, or are you making it an effort to kind of train with the team? I am. Um, I try. I've got a really hectic schedule. And, um, you know, usually at that kind of 5.30, 6.30 hour at night, I'm, I'm home seeing my kids before I have a dinner commitment. Yeah. But I, I definitely try to get in because, you know, training training with the brown belt or black belt every single day is great. It sharpens yeah. your skills. But, you know, you, you don't get all those subs that you get when you get to train against another that, way. That's exactly why I brought it up. Like my, my witch yeah. for you is to train with people of all the, at all the different levels, you know, to, to be yeah. able to, to see your growth and to say, oh, man, you know, like actually, wow. You know, my, I would imagine your defense has gotten pretty sharp training with a brown belt. For I, all I, the I, lots of knee shields, right? Lots of knee shields. So. Yeah. And then, you know, bringing that back towards business, you know, at the level that you're at. Uh, conducting business with, you know, these families and high net worth individuals and, and, and major co- corporations. Um, it's high stakes. It's, it's, it, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot on the line and you've only gotten to that point because of the, the, the work that preceded it. Um, but you know, it's, it's all that work leads to experience, which leads to confidence, right? And that's the same thing with, with, whether you're playing soccer or you're a top hockey player or you're, you've got a black belt in jujitsu, you know, when you've got a black belt in jujitsu, you've fought so many different types of competitors, so many different sizes of competitors. And, and so you're, you don't, you always have maybe a little bit of butterflies. You know, I, I, I was talking to one of our fighters from glory once who's world champion guy. And, and he said to me, Robin Van Roosmelen, and he said to me, Paul, he goes, before, I, I still have butterflies before every single fight, you know, it's a little bit less in, in business. You know, I don't necessarily have butterflies before I go into big meetings, but, you know, I'm, I'm very good at dealing with, you know, ultra high net worth individuals and families. I, I, I've been around it for 20 years. You know, I understand that they go to the bathroom the same way I go to the bathroom in the morning and, you know, and I can relate to them. Um, and, you know, you know, people do business with people they like. People do business with people like themselves, right? And so, you know, it's pretty interesting when you look at my client base, I actually work with a lot of folks like myself that are super driven. And even though they're worth, you know, X hundreds of millions of dollars, if I text them, they get right back to me, you know, cause they're, they're self-made and, you know, they're entrepreneurs in some way themselves, but it's, 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 um, 
you know, there's that huge parallel again with with uh, you know martial arts and you know going into a business meeting where you know I, I'm very often I'm coaching folks. I started a charter school about ten years ago uh, in in kind of the inner city here in, in Boston, and I'm you know constantly kind of coaching a lot of the development folks about how to deal with you know high net worth potential donors and and you know even you know our executive director who's you know comes out of a world working in public schools and does not have that level of experience and you know it can be intimidating at first very much like sitting out in the parking lot and being afraid to go in and get smashed on the mats by you know a bunch of bigger stronger higher ranked folks um but the more you do it the better you get at it right like anything so i'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that uh that beautiful that you have that charter school. What I've found about the most successful people that I either know or that I read, because I love to read, I read their books. They're so, they want people to be successful. They want everybody to say, to see, like, I put my pants on just like you. I did it. You could do it. That's one of the, that's why I'm writing this book. I mean, I want, I want everybody to know that they can do it too. Most of the guys that I train with, men and women, are from, every socioeconomic class, color, religion, uh, and they come together on this mat and you have teachers and nurses and garbage men and, and everybody is getting along and they kind of all want to know what got the other one to where they are. And if you grew up in a house of nurses and you became a nurse, you say, you, you never know that you could kind of go out and do more. And so yeah. here you are, uh, giving so generously of your time into the charter school program and, and, I mean, I imagine and I hope that these young people, they see they see you and say, I, I could do that, you know, in my house, I, we're I, about business. I hope they do, too. I, I'm, I'm, I also give a lot of time to a really great organization in town called Year Up, um, which uh, takes young folks that have a GED or high school diploma and trains them to do, you know, financial operations or, you know, and, and places them in really great, um, you know, great opportunities. And, and I, you know, one of the reasons I do this is I want to go and show these guys that you can do this too. It's just a lot of hard work. You know, yeah. it's, it's just a lot of grind, a lot of giving up a lot of five and 6am mornings, even when you don't want to, you know, I, I mean, in my twenties, I'm not going to say I didn't have a lot of fun. I certainly had a lot of fun, but I mean, a lot of those nights where my friends were out partying, I was home studying for my CFA. You know, I have this thing called a CFA, which is kind of like a black belt in finance, right? And it's the great thing about it, very similar to a black belt, is, you know, you know, when you see a black belt, you kind of know what hoops they had to jump through, right? And what they had to learn. And and it's the same thing as with the CFA. It's a, you know, it's a global exam that's been around for, you know, well over five or six decades. Yep. And, you know, you know that, you know, whether you're in India or whether you're in China or whether you're in, you know, Boston or California, you've had to kind of learn the same skills had to memorize some of the stuff, even though we don't really use our memories that much to come up with capital asset pricing model, Black-Scholes model. You have to recall that from memory, but you've had to go through those motions. Um, yeah. so. it's, uh, that's a very good way of putting it. All the people I know who studied for their CFA and passed, it's in three parts, right? And the people who get to that third part, you know the, you know the sweat, the blood, and the tears that they put in to get to that point. So ex excellent parallel. Well, listen, uh, you, you helped me in, in ways you don't even know because you gave me a great conversation and a lot of things to think about. Gave me some great, some great sound bites and, and some, and some gems to contribute to this book. So Good. I just, I want, Good. I want to thank you for being a part of this project. I, I can't tell you how passionate I am about it. Uh, I see these guys who are, and gals, 
who are so good at jujitsu and so good at martial arts. And they got, they got it because of how hard they worked. And then they want to go off and start a business and they think that they're going to be black belts in a day and they give up too often. And I, and I want them to keep going. And so I think it's a worthy cause to try to, to try to build some entrepreneurship in this crazy world. Good stuff, man. Happy to be, happy to be a contributor.